What's up, y'all? We're so excited for you to hear our conversation with Nick Jenkel and Allison McCauley. They're the co-founders of Switch On, and they support individuals to transform their greatest challenges in life, love, and leadership with their unique methodology of biotransformation theory and practice. Their mission is to empower as many people as possible to heal their own emotional wounds, upgrade their own consciousness and mindset, and bring about lasting and concrete change in their relationships, communities, and organizations. Y'all, there's something for everyone in this episode. We talk about transformational relationships, from going from codependence to interdependence, boosting happiness, breaking through challenges, maximizing meaning. Y'all, if you want to get more in tune with yourself and your relationships, this is the episode for you, and we can't wait for y'all to hear. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. For years, we were stuck in a rut, always complaining that nothing ever changed for us. And then we realized, if we wanted to improve our lives, we had to put in the work. Each week on this podcast, we'll get into an aspect of personal growth, relationships, or just life. Through our own experiences and guest interviews, we hope to inspire you to make your own positive changes. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Oh, Nick and Allison, we're so excited to have you both here today, and we can't wait to get into this conversation. We always like to start just by, can you share a little bit about both of your stories, even individually and together, and just give our audience a background at what brought you guys to this place? We always are so curious about people's journeys. Uh, great. Thank again? you for having us. Well, we've been together 10 years, so that's a big chunk of the journey, and we can get more into that story another time or later. But we definitely feel we were brought together for, for a reason, uh, more than one reason, actually, probably. Our own personal reasons and then the reasons of our work. And we can talk about that because that's the kind of core essence of our relationship approach is about how you can bring the other into their best place and vice versa. Personally, my background, I grew up in London in the UK. I have a background in medicine. I went to medical school, went to Cambridge, went then studied philosophy, which was really interesting. And really my work has been about combining the science of humanity, humankind, human change, human being, and then the wisdom of human being, the philosophy, the ideas of how to be human. Uh, I think that they both give us different aspects of what we need to be our best self, our most thriving self. And then for the last 21 years, I've been an entrepreneur. I now call myself a regenerative entrepreneur. This is a new term I'm rocking at the moment. Uh, A transformational entrepreneur. So I've worked in, um, I worked in advertising and I worked in my own company as a brand strategist, as an innovation consultant, helping big companies develop new ideas, getting into coaching um, individuals and groups. And for the last 10 years have been running uh, this company called Switch On with myself, with Ali coming coming in when the, our little one was little, and then in the last sort of two years really together. So I bring a kind of more of a cognitive, science-driven uh, aspect to our work in human change and transformation, but have been very heavily influenced before and having met Alison around the importance of the body, the importance of emotions, the importance of our sense of states inside our body. So that's kind of where I've come from and come to. And then for the last couple of years, we've been working on relationship work. So we've, we've both come from working with individuals more or individuals, but within groups, but they're still there for themselves. And we thought, hold on a minute, we've really got something to bring to this relationship party, partly because we've actually managed to heal our own trauma enough to be in a relationship, like a proper relationship. So mm-hmm. that's where we come from. 
Okay, so I am from California. Yay! And um, USA. (laughs) I have a very different background. Well, in some ways, I was I was an elite gymnast and um, then a professional dancer, uh, dance teacher, and choreographer. And then I got into um, biodynamic craniosacral therapy. It's a a mouthful. Um, It's a trauma and healing-based therapy. Yoga, all sorts of other embodiment practices like Feldenkrais, uh, breathwork, Alexander technique. So the world of embodiment um, has always been my my background and my passion of, of how how the body and the mind, which is actually one thing, but we often think that they're two and, and separate them, how it actually works, how it breaks down, how it transforms, how it heals. So just the world of, of transformation, but coming into it through, through the body. And actually, interesting, when we met, I was getting much more into the body side of things, mind-body connection. And Alison had been starting to coach her clients in her, what's essentially a body healing practice, had noticed that she started to use language more and give them new frames, questions, goals, whatever. So we kind of met each other in a moment where we were both sort of already bringing in the other person's expertise into our own journey and our own work. And then that journey's Uh, we've meshed even more um, over the last 10 years without coming codependent so that's that that's actually one of the great challenges how do you mesh without being enmeshed I guess would be uh, a way of thinking about it so uh, I mean I mean met I should say we met in um, we met in California we met at Google would you believe Google HQ at a conference on wisdom that you both only just discovered like a week before it happened so we both kind of randomly there and uh, I saw her at the corner of my eye, I actually still remember it now, down the row in the middle, looking attentively at the speaker. I thought, wow. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's amazing to hear both of both of y'all's story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I am curious, what was it that then led to the relationship piece being a core? Like you said, Nick, I mean, that was something that came later on, even in the last couple of years. And as we just heard, you both have a long history of working in so many different areas of the human condition. So what yeah. was it that led you to relationships as an importance? Because I know that's a lot of the work you're doing today. Oh my God. So many things. I, from a personal point of view, really from the moment we met, or the first for the few dates that Addie claims weren't dates for her, but they were for me. They were dates, not dates, as I like to call them. Uh, undates. I was like, wow. I, I felt we were, we had to work together. Um, or we, I felt we were brought together to do something from the purpose point of view. But then beginning, it was just like a fall in love with someone who's totally into the same things as you. You know, how often do you meet someone who's totally into psychological change, trauma, spirituality, contemporary, but also super into like going to festivals and having fun and all the, just like, we were like, wow, this is so amazing. But we both had a sense that we had work to do together, but I, I wouldn't say it was like, oh my God, let's, you know, you're the perfect C, CEO and the perfect CEO. You know, we've so different, our rhythms have, have been very different. 
and it's taken us a long time to find like imagine like a gear of a bicycle we've had we've been trying you know we've been trying to mesh the gears the gear and the chain so a little mm-hmm. slight interesting new metaphor i don't know who's the gear who's the chain um <laughs> but we've been trying to we you know we spent a while trying to do that whilst raising kids you know which is a challenging thing and i had to slow down and ali had to speed up summarize i sped up up i slowed down became more in touch with my feminine aspects i guess more it's just a slower way of relating to her and ali at the same time i believe has sped up her sort of energies and we've now found a way to co-create but i would never would, would want anyone to think it was just like oh yeah great oh you're yeah, gonna do that and you i perfectly fit with you and you <laughs> perfectly write this but you're really good at this it was like it's been you know it's been a, a labor of challenge to to find each other within the working relationship then before that we had to find each other within the parenting relationship and before that we had to find each other in our own relationship and we had to do that quite quickly because we had a baby quite quickly um, and we, you know, we had moving country move from America to England, and there was co-parenting going on from my previous marriage. So you know, it, it wasn't a kind of like a, it wasn't the sort of story. And then we were in Hawaii for the wedding, and then we went on our honeymoon, and had seven years together before we, you know, it wasn't that. <laughs> I don't think it is that for for many people. Unless you no honeymoon in, no honeymoon in Hawaii here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we didn't actually have a honeymoon, so uh, we're still uh, going to have one of those, aren't we? one day yeah (laughs) do it (laughs) all right so the purpose of today is we're going to talk about codependence to interdependence so can you guys just give us a brief overview of like hey this is what we mean when we're talking about these things what is codependence what is interdependence and then we'll kind of flow from there yeah great you want to go yeah um so when we first come into the world we're very codependent on our parents and our caretakers we have to be so we have to be for our survival so it's a very important and crucial stage and as we begin to grow we become more and more independent also have to be also and also have to be process to be able to survive in the world uh, survive and thrive in the world in your own way without your mother father caregivers telling you what what to do and and how to live and Often, I think, especially because of the the way the Western world is, because it's so individualized, we kind of get stuck. A lot of different aspects of ourselves get stuck in these two different stages. And then when we meet another person who is also stuck in various places, and then we come together, it can cause a lot of conflict, basically. And it can be really frustrating, really confusing. And the journey is how, how do we move into an interdependent place with another person? And we really need to develop that within ourselves first before we can do it with another person. Mm-hmm. And that means how, how can I be connected and intimate with another person, yet I am still my own individual? Mm-hmm. It's really challenging. It's it is really challenging. But also very enlivening. So for me, an inter- interdependence. I, so here's a, my medical training. Think about a cell, a cell membrane. Um, you're doing your own thing. You're your own cell. You're going to parties. You've hopefully come away from your parents and you're not washing your clothes at their house anymore. Um, and or maybe you are. But um, And then you meet someone else, right? So in that moment, you're sort of, your two cells become a combined sort of cell. But if you've got stuff, 
you know, habits, patterns, wounding from the past, which almost everyone, I've never met anyone doesn't. Then part of us is trying to rely on the other person, the other cell for your happiness, for our happiness, for our well-being. And we've seen that in the movies, right? They And the, and the word is they make me happy. Mm. Um, and one of the things we really say is nobody makes you happy. They can inspire you to be happy, um, but all the happiness is yours. You still create your own happiness. But that's the same token. They don't make you mad either. Yeah. They inspire you to be mad. And so interdependence is knowing that. And it's it's so if you imagine the cells, it's having a permeable membrane, bits of Alison and her ideas and needs and wants and desires come into me. I'm not like shut down. I'm not like I'm so dependent, independent on my own. Uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll see each other tonight, maybe in a couple of weeks. You know, that's that's it. forced in independence. Um, her moves affect me. I'm sensitive to her needs. Um, but it's a semi permeable membrane because I can still not allow um her moods or her needs to swamp onto mine uh, and vice versa so that i'm still always responsible for my own mood state even if she's in a really challenging place or challenged place but i can still also be there for her mm. because i'm not forcing in uh, independence and as i said what well, interesting challenge is that most of us are stuck in both being dependent on our parents and therefore on other adults but also we're stuck being overly independent and um, pushing people away and, and forcing a, the kind of force you have to do. Usually when you grow up, you have to force your parents away and go, no, I'm going to college or, you know, I'm going to get a job or no, I'm not going to be at, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, day three. Mm. Uh, you have to force that a little bit often. And so we often confuse the, our partners by being overly independent and overly dependent at the same time. Mm. Wow. And that's a doozy. It's it's huge, especially in the construct of, like you said, in Western society, like everything we're told is that you complete me, you know, you are my better half. You're the other part. And it's like, yeah. So you believe that you should be that for your partner. And in a way, like you said, Nick, I mean, you do need to be that in some way, shape or form, but you cannot be fully reliant on that absolutely for your own happiness and one of yeah. my struggles that i had to break down is i thought i had to be that for her i yeah. thought i had to be the man the person that would fix all of her problems except the thing was she didn't want me to fix all of her problems right sometimes she just wanted me to listen sometimes oh. she just wanted me to be there for support and i think a lot of us get into that cycle where we want to be the fixer the perfect fit in this you complete me world, but it really ends up making us in a codependent space. Mm. And it's very hard to break that cycle because it's a, it's a, it's a really intricate dance, isn't it? Totally. Absolutely. It's very nuanced. Even right now. I mean, we'll look at each other and like, Hey, do you want me to help you fix this? Or are you looking for like a shoulder to cry on basically? Like tell me before we even get into this conversation, what are you, what's the end goal here? Because I need to know. Yeah. We do the same. Yeah. We do met, we, we are better and better doing like meta reflections so we can sort of pause the moment, zoom back and go, do you want me to be a coach? Do you want to be like a, a girlfriend? She just mm-hmm. listens. Do you want me to um, leave you alone? Um, is it? The, and then we can create little. We create little joke. You know, jokes around it. You know, are you in? And we call. We have different names for our different patterns. <laughs> so we have little nicknames. Oh, is this Laguna? They're all based on where we've lived. So Ali grew up in Laguna Beach. So that's one. Uh, I grew up in a quite a posh part of London called Hampstead. 
So she's like, are you in Hampstead now? Or are you? And so we, we create some space for each other to honor those patterns because they've been useful in our lives. Um, I'm not criticizing them, but we are, by naming them, we're saying that's not all you are. So do you want or to, Or it's you know, not a fit for the moment. Or it's not a fit, or it just creates space. Um, and that's become really powerful for us is to be able to, as you say, pause and go, who do you need me to be right now without it losing the romance? You know, because what you don't want to do is then become like a um, re- relationship by numbers. You know, no, you tell me, you, know, you go, no, you go, no, you go. What do you want? And he's like, well, sometimes someone just needs to do something, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's partly also, I guess, that there's a sensual uh, intimacy aspect to that. Um, and, you know, around this... Um, uh, culture of, of younger people are now having, you know, are being asked to get confirmation about something before they do something, right? You want to check it out. Can I touch you? Whatever. And that's really important for, for everyone to have an uh, understanding of consent. But when you're in a relationship, you also have um, playfulness that, that isn't always based upon a verbal uh, conversation. That can be sensual, but it can be anything to do with stuff. So sometimes, because you also trust that if you get it wrong, the trusting is enough to go, you know what? It really didn't work for me when you just grabbed my arm the other day and pulled me into a kiss. It freaked me out, actually. But it's not an angry, it's a kind of feedback loop of like, we're learning, we're learning. Yeah, yeah, almost like a, think- almost like a conditioning, almost like you're conditioning over time to yeah. feel the boundaries of your partner. And we always talk about learning your partner, like really yes. working to educate yourself and that's like the least sexy way to think about it but that's that's what you have to do i mean that's what you were just touching on like there's there's things between you that you don't just pick up and and there's things today that happen even though you've been together for that long there's still a learning pattern and you're constantly changing and growing so the person that you were when you two met at that conference is not the same mm. people you are today and so it's a constant learning pattern and education. And I know people don't like to look at it that way, but it's an easy way, I think, for people to connect to that because we're so used to like in our workspace doing that. Like if you want to learn something, you go out and educate yourself, you read the books, you do the things. But when it's your partner, for some reason, we push away from that and we're like, well, they should just know, or I should just be able to figure this out right. without actually educating ourselves. So I love that sentiment as well. I think it's, you know that you're in one of those states when you're blaming, shaming, or complaining to the other person. And that's really important to know, to have the ownership of when you are in that state and be responsible that you are in a pattern, what's called the pattern or conditioning. It's a way of talking. It's a way of behaving. It's a way of being that we learned a long time ago but it's not a fit for the moment anymore. Um, and it's causing conflict. And I think also at that point, it's really important to kind of know where you go. So for me, I, I'm overly independent. So in those moments, if I want to withdraw and just be on my own and be silent and be quiet, I know that I'm in that, I'm in that pattern. So I'm, I'm overly independent. Yeah. And I've, and I've, come from the opposite which is i've been overly dependent like if there's been a conflict i'm like let's heal it as quick as possible let's go back to being nice let's i don't like a bad feeling i don't like a conflict because i grew up in a conflictual environment right so i'm like let's get away from that which makes me run away even faster and farther and also i as a coach as a healer i know how to change these things i can we can 
get out of this quickly. But so part of my growth has been to be okay with schism, with disjointedness, with rupture, as we call it, rupture and repair. Be okay with rupture, but part of Ali's job has been to be quicker with repair. So when we first got together, we would have a fight. There would be two, three days easy <laughs> of just yeah. cycling in our own space. And I'm yeah. like, ah, I just want to connect with her again. I yelled at her, but now she doesn't even want me to apologize. She doesn't want anyone near her. I just want to be back connected. And she's and like, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, yeah. this is so much better and safer here. I'm just going to be <laughs> hanging out by myself. It's so quiet yeah. without Nick speaking all the I time. I love it in my own mind. <laughs> but now we have a 24-hour rule, which is the other whoever's not ready to repair has a 24-hour time to come back but that has to be 25 you know that's like a sacred thing that's only because i did a lot of work um on on myself in kind of going well see the thing is most of us grow up in a home where there's rupture and then like the kids go to bed and and then your parents are back to normal and you're thinking well god what happened we don't actually (laughs) see the repair yeah we don't see the conflict you see the rupture but not the repair exactly and it's and that's really really scary and so the idea is to know i am going to repair with this person i love this person i chose this person i know i'm going to need to repair so okay let's do it let's do it now and really building up that resilience in my in myself in knowing that i am safe in inside of myself in my body and it's the other person's to come back job in the interdependence to create safety for that for the for each other in that repair and there are tools that you know you can learn to do that because what you can't do is just reignite the 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 pain the, the conflict the schism again that doesn't help right but neither can i be like coachy guy um solving it for us both because we can't do that either but i just reflect on what ali said just imagine we've raised two generations of children who are experts at seeing conflict and never see the conflict mediation, never see the repair. So everyone knows how to have a fight. We saw our parents do that. Um, they did it really well, usually. Um, and then we decide, well, how does that, how do you get out of that? Well, no, no one's ever known. It's like a mystery. It's like a great, you could do, you know, have a movie based upon the mystery of repair. Um, but so one of the things we're very caref- careful of, and it's really odd, I have to say, is we show our kids how we repair. Mm. Rather than taking it away, let's go and talk in the bedroom, you know, and, and do it in the secret. We're like, you know, you saw us have a fight earlier. This is how we repair. You, know, you don't have to sit around and watch if you don't want, but we just, so they can see that there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing weird about it. It's just what has to happen in relationships. You have to repair. And if we have had a rupture, our, our little one's always like, can you guys dialogue? We call it dialoguing. Could you just dialogue he's he like he wants to move on right back to the connection and that's beautiful because he knows that there's going to be a connection coming and he's like let's just do it you know because he's not emotionally attached which is a beautiful thing i think a little bit more of an incentive to get moving faster huh yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah when your own kids are coaching you happy yeah when they're coaching you on your relationship you know you've got trouble But yes, a part of this interdependence is, I think in relationship, you've got two jobs. You've got the job of healing yourself. So, and that's your job. And you might want to do it in your own space, meditation, yoga, um, running, um, go see a therapist, um, you know, go sort out your stuff. And then there's also the recognition 
that you can't solve all your wounding in relationships without a relationship, right? You can't, mm-hmm. you, if, if the wounding occurred with your parents, which often it does, uh, often the one of the opposite sex or opposite gender, opposite polarity, then you, even if you do all the work in the world on yourself, you will always have stuff then to do in the relationship. Because everything's relational. Yeah. So inter- mm-hmm. so we both met each other having done a, a good, I'm thinking five years of self-development on, on ourselves. Like we've been to retreats and we we like, we're, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty sorted. I'm pretty enlightened. I'm, I'm like yeah. free. I'm free of my old staff. I'm healthy. I'm brilliant. I'm amazing. I'm showing up. And then bang, you're in a relationship and you're like, oh my God, I'm showing up like a seven-year-old. Yeah. Um, I thought I dealt with that stuff uh, and I had, but not within relationship. And so the interdependence is to know that you've got some work to do on your own and you've got some work to, that you can only do together. And I guess to know which one's which. Uh, and that's really, really part of that nuance of what interdependence looks like. Right. And then, like you said, when you get into a relationship, when you're individually making decisions for yourself and you can do that, then you're not actually triggered in a way that a relationship will do that because there's so right. many things over time that relationally, like you said, Allison, it's all, you're, it's all relational. So that a lot of times what happens is you're with other people, you're with a new partner, you're in different circumstances and you don't control all of it because you don't hold all of the cards. Exactly. Therefore you're triggered in a way. And like you said, Nick, you go back to your seven-year-old self, which we've all been there (laughs) and you're like, what, what am I doing? But when you reflect on that and I hate to say it because people don't like to hear it, but it is work. It is work to do that. Yeah, it is. But then how do you get past, what would you, what would y'all say that how you get past the triggers to, because I believe you're triggered no matter what. And you can either trigger that into a negative space or you can trigger that into a more positive space. So how do you get to that place where you don't stay in that immaturity and that level that I think a lot of us get in? And I think ego plays a big role, but how do you get then out of a space where you're being triggered to that negative place and can actually get to a place of interdependence with your partner? That's good, good. Because <laughs> this is this is the bit, right? Because we get triggered, and triggers are wise messengers uh, from our body, telling us there is something to heal, there is something to transform, there is something blocking you from relating uh, in a way that is, you know, a fit. We, we always use that word. It's a fit. Um, as in, as in it's right for that moment because you're not stuck in the past. Yeah. So it's appropriate and fitting for this unique moment in 2021, 22, whatever, rather than this is actually 1997 stuff coming back up. So the trigger is like, you know, if we could change the trigger, kind of reframe the, the trigger as an invitation to heal and transform something Mm. for yourself therefore your partner because when you do that yourself it's going to change the relational field and that's why it's always dynamic because the biology is dynamic we are biodynamic beings and a lot of times that feeling is so scary people don't want it right it's like i don't want to be triggered because it feels really scary And it's like how to not either fight it or flee from it, but stay with the feeling and just be with it. It sounds easy, 
but it's not. We will go to all lengths to avoid really scary, hurtful feelings. So in the moment of the trigger to stay with it and go, whoa, right? Because your nervous system has been activated. The body's biochemistry completely changes. And to just walk away, really, to, to give each other space and, and, and to know, okay, I need to look at what's going on for me and then come back and what we call dialogue about it. As, as you get more practice at that, you can also name it. Like, I'm triggered. Wow. And then there's that space. When, you're, when you are the trigger, there's no space. Yeah. You are just stimulus response. And as Ali said, because our brains wire in relationships, you can actually now see how our brains change when you're in relationship with your parents, your caregivers. So our brains are social brains, as they're called by the neuroscientists. So if I go into fight or flight, and I have little funny little things around my face or my eyes or my eyes pop out or my... Uh, it can also trigger someone else and vice versa. And there's actually a theory on that uh, called polyvagal theory that we can pick up social anxieties. So at the beginning of a relationship, when you're probably not doing the romance phase at the beginning, when everyone's brilliant, it's all amazing. But once you actually show up as your real self, um, and they're, they're real, when you stop making an effort um, to make everything beautiful and amazing and you're just showing up tired, triggered, stressed out um, tense fragile vulnerable then as you said that you're not in control anymore right so that brings up vulnerability then when you're in a trigger that's scary because it's a lot of emotion eh? a lot of us don't know how to deal with our big emotions we also don't feel big emotions as appropriate in a relationship we might feel that it's it's not okay to have big emotions because no one's ever said it's okay Mm -hmm. like our parents probably were if you're an adult now your parents are probably quite um, from a certain different generation when no one said, oh, it's okay to have big emotions. Mm-hmm. We all have big emo- emotions. Are, let's talk about them. So then that may not be okay. And you might feel like I can't share this. Then you're vulnerable because you're out of control as well. Literally out of control because mm-hmm. you're triggered. You're no longer master of your own uh, moment. And so, yeah. So what strategy one is take yourself out of it. But as you get better at it on your own work on yourself, you can then do more together. You can say, I'm truly triggered. I'd love to understand why can we you know can we talk but that means you have to have enough self-mastery yeah to share the thing and have the trust and part of the work of the repair the dialoguing the being together through the conflict is less about the content of the fight or the content of the discussion or whatever it was like you'd left the pan out the blah blah the brushy toothbrush (laughs) the content becomes way less important than the context that I felt out of control in that moment, or I felt you were too much in my space, or I felt disrespected. All right. There are only a certain number of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the work you do in repair is m- more important for your nervous system, your bodies to learn to be together than it is the specifics of, you know, would you mind leaving your toothbrush on the right-hand side of the bathroom, not the left-hand side? That's like, seems to be the problem, but that's not really the problem. Mm-hmm. which is why it keeps coming up no matter what the actual topic is. I mean, it's, Absolutely. You, you end up in the same place over and over and over again until you're like, wait a second, this is clearly not about the cabinets and the toothbrushes and all the things. Yeah. There's exactly. something deeper going on. And what's that thing? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. We talk about training. Sorry, you go. When you can really get to the root of that wounding there, often it goes back to the same thing, to the same thing. You're like, oh, there it is again. Um, showing up as the pots and pans, you know, it becomes the trigger starts to weaken, it becomes less and less. So, you know, it's like, what, why are you getting triggered in this situation, but 30 other people aren't? 
right? So it's like, mm-hmm. what about your history wants to be resolved? And so, yeah, it's psychologically working with, with the root cause, but also we do a lot of work with people on working with their nervous system and how to deactivate and settle the nervous system with each other so that you're and on your own because the the brain literally shuts down so there's no sense in talking to one another when you've got an activated nervous system mm-hmm. there's an interesting relationship theory that we i think are quite inspired by by a great um relationship therapist called harville Hendricks, um who does something called imago relationship therapy and their theory is we are attracted to someone who has the same core emotional wound as us. So that's some sameness, right? But they have the opposite or a different way of coping with it through their life. So whenever we go deep into when we have a really big fight, you know, and we go deep into what it is, often we both are feeling like disrespected. That's like a w- the wound, right? Or lonely or that whatever it is. I mean, like, oh my God, I can't believe you were feeling the same thing. I was totally feeling the same thing, right? So that's the wound, same wound. But my version is usually to get, you know, angry and fiery and um, dramatic and whatever. Alice is like to be quiet cold. and whatever, cold. Yeah, shut and, down. And what we've learned is if she has a bit of my fire, that's great for her, both in the relationship, but also in her work. So she's learning fire from me and I'm learning um, sort of water, calm and coolness. Containment. So I can contain more and I'm less hot. Less, yeah. so I can be more I, I'm going lower she's going higher um, through the journey of our relationship and that's quite powerful and if you do ask people who are in a, 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 I'm talking about an, an intimate relationship where it's really there's energy in it like it's alive uh, whatever that energy is at the moment if it's uh, in breakdown or breakthrough or whatever often you can see that the core they you share something really deep with them um, but you also have lots of difference and that's really important in relationship that you have something that's the same and then you have something that's different because what you don't want to do is marry yourself like the opposite of, you know, and what you don't want to do is marry someone who's so different that everything that ever they say or do is like the opposite and different and weird to you. So somewhere again, between this interdependence is there's the sameness and there's difference. Um, and, and then obviously the honoring both honoring what's same about you Uh, And it can often be, you know, um, education or background or where you grew up or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then embracing the fact that you are different. And that's going to sometimes be triggering and sometimes be amazing to to have a different lens on life that is um, so distinct from your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll often I mean, that's huge because we'll often talk to couples and they say like they just feel like their partner's on a completely different planet. Like they're Mm -hmm. not even in the same space at all. But then when probed and you ask them, have you actually talked to your partner about it? <laughs> then they're, then you see the trigger in real time. Like you're like, well, I have, and they've done this, this, and this. And it's like, right. But have you really talked to them? Like not just, and they, a lot of times we want to grab to the past for what happened, but we don't actually try to get in the mind of our partner, which is what you were both touching on. Yeah, exactly. You have different ways of handling it. But yeah, they'd be looked at in a certain way, depending on what society would tell you. Yeah. But you had to learn that about Allison and she had to learn that about you, that you're just not some fiery, crazy person. You're trying to communicate a feeling and that's how you do that. And then for for Allison, same thing, being more quiet and reserved, 
which I was elbowing Meg during that time <laughs> as well. Cause I think we're, the, I think we're, we're on the exact same wavelength as far as yeah. how we handle that. But if, if you don't take the time to understand that you're always going to be on, feel like you're on opposite planets. Totally. You have to, you have to have community with each other and understand each other and, and put yourself in your partner's shoes to get to that place. Otherwise you will constantly be in that cycle of just that perpetual funk. Without Most people, when they're fighting, it's because they want to be right. They become so self-righteous. I'm yeah. right. I'm right. I'm, and we say whatever we can to prove that we're right. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the quote we always say, you can either be right or you can be married. But you can't be both. <laughs> but you can't be both. <laughs> you, you have to want to get past the, oh my God, I'm, I'm being a victim yeah. and I'm being attacked. Mm. Poor me. And then my sob story to, okay, we've got a conflict. What is going on for you? I need to understand you. I need to empathize you and understand where that's coming from for both sides. And that requires people to do the work. There's no escaping. I just, I don't know how people could be <laughs> in a relationship and not be doing the work. I don't think you can. It's like, Having a car and then and not ever and never putting it gas yeah. in it, never understanding that there's a mechanic or certain you know things will break and that you can actually fix them. It's yeah. like, oh, my car died, so I have to get a new one. <laughs> it's like no, <laughs> because it's just gonna, the the new one's going to die as well. Right. You yeah. have to know how to work on it. And the irony is you probably choose choose a similar car anyway again and then yeah. find yourself in the same place in the same exactly. situation. So one of the things that, that that's we have learned to do with each other more than I think ever previous partners is take a rocket ship to their planet and go, wow, your planet is wild. It's crazy out here. I love it. it terrifies me sometimes. You know, like Ali's coolness, right? Her collection, her her groundedness. That's what I loved about her when I first met her. I was like, oh my gosh, she's so calm <laughs> and so not me, you know. But then, you know, 10 years later, I'm like, come on, be more like, uh, you know, aggressive. Just share what you're saying. I don't be more like me. Shout, like, <laughs> shout, tell me what it is, you know, whatever, right? Um, and so going on the trip to go, wow, I'm going to your planet and still avoiding like, little digs about how crazy the other person is, you know, mm-hmm. just really pre- like an anthropologist, like what, how does your, your tribe work? Mm-hmm. I want to know how your tribe works. Are you the tribe of people like this? You know, that's really interesting to me. Uh, so we have a new thing about, about um, talking about each other as like aliens from different planets. So I sort of say, as soon as I say to her, is this, na-? I said, nano, nano, like she's in her own reality. I need to try and find out what it is. Uh, <laughs> she's like, yeah. So but that only comes this, Ali said something that's really important that is this working on the car, right? So if you're listening to this now and you want this kind of transformational healing relationship that's exciting and sexy, but also really nourishing and intimate and safe. And interdependent. The interdependent relationship. It just, if, imagine self-work takes time. You know, you've got to see a therapist, a counselor, a coach, or reflect meditation. You've got to do all that stuff and then have the time to talk and go onto the other person's planet. And if you're in a conflict situation, then going to their planet takes a lot longer than you'd think. So that could be like an hour. That could be like two hours. That could be like a whole weekend regularly. And so particularly if you're in a state of some kind of breakdown in a relationship, right? So just to get your nervous systems to be able to be in the same room with each other without fight or flight responses or freeze or fawn or anything. 
can take a while, but it is worth it and it is possible. And it is possible to both heal yourself and heal with the other and come out the other end of those stormy, challenging times. They still come up every now and again for us. You know, we have moments of disconnect, but the keel of the boat is definitely settled to a, a deep safety, like the deepest safety I've ever had with anyone outside of my folks, brackets possibly with them too. I totally, I totally feel that. And, you know, I think that when you guys said that it has, you know, it's worth it. I think that's the number one key is that you have to feel like it's worth it. You really do. You have to feel like, yes, this is hard work, but dang it. I I want to be in this work. I want to do this with you and you guys together and all those, because if, if you don't feel that like deep within your soul, then what are we even talking about? Yeah. Well, yeah. And the more you do that, like you just said, the more you do that, the more you build that muscle, the easier it is to re-engage every time. Like, yeah, yeah. you have to put yeah. in the work now, but it makes it so much easier every time it comes up in the future. And it will, like you just said, yeah. it will, no matter what, there will be things Absolutely. that come up. We're constantly changing and growing. That is going to mix up the soil and change things up, but it's so much easier for all the people out there listening that we can't argue it's hard. We really can't. But I can argue the fact that it's way easier to re-engage and reinvigorate in those moments when they come up if you do the work and set the foundation now. Yeah, yeah. I just, this is coming to my mind, so I wanted to share it. It's a, a quote, love isn't something that we've lost need to find or don't deserve. It's simply who we are. And I think a lot of people conflate love and our conditioning and our patterning and conflict and the stuff that comes up, you know, goes into, Oh, you don't love me. And, you know, it's just simply who we are. It's the context for who we are and how we live. And we do our work within that context. I mean, yeah, it's impossible to be in a transformational relationship unless you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's, and you don't have to, you don't have to be totally, self-love amazing human being before you get in a relationship definitely not but there definitely has to be some work on yourself and that sometimes that means you're already in a relationship you didn't do any work on yourself but you're going to go and do it and then your partner's going to go and do it and then you can do this more interdependent work together but it's important that people like you guys uh, and people like us are sharing to people what's possible when you do that work because a lot of us don't have there's no there aren't many movies of what happens 20 years into a relationship when you may manage to crack it. Or there are lots of movies about the beginning of it, or even beginning, then you break up, beginning, you break up, and then you blah, blah, blah. But there's very few movies about, I've been married for 15 years, and we did about two years of really deep work together, and now we've got this amazing relationship going. Yeah. Um, and there is nothing like the experience of being truly in love uh, with someone. And actually, we actually say, I am love with you, not in love with you. I'm love with you. There's nothing like having uh, the support of someone absolutely uncategorically in your relationship, knowing they won't collude with you and they won't also disempower you by telling you things that you think you want to hear. And that level of trust and support and teamwork is precious beyond measure. And so it is absolutely worth doing that work. If you're single on yourself now, if you're with someone doing it together. Yeah, it's what's possible. Knowing, knowing that that's infinite. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great place to <laughs> to end it for today. I mean, to leave with people and just let it sit with them uh, before we go. I mean, we've loved this conversation, obviously, but before we go, we'd 
we'd love to give you all a chance to share how people can find you. Maybe you could give just whatever information you'd like to give for if people want to reach out to you after this episode and just learn a little more about what you do. How, how can they find you? The best place to go is our website, switchonnow.com. And um, at the bottom of the footer, there's an email sign up. Our most consistent community engagement is through email. We are on Facebook or Instagram, switch on now on Facebook and Instagram. And we share the accounts, which is quite fun. <laughs> so you'll get different flavors of us, depending on who's taking the photos. We'd have free webinars all the time on transformation, on self, on leadership, on relationships. On the homepage, you can sign up for free stuff. Um, come and sit with us for an hour while we do take you through a journey. And then if you're interested in, in our longer program for couples, you can find that on the footer too called Master Transformational Relationships. But it's not for you to do with your partner, or you can. It's for you to understand what's possible and have some tools and then take them back with you into your um, relating. And it doesn't have to, have to be romantic either. It can be um, any relationships. They're all, they're all joyous challenges. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks so much. Hey, B, what did you think of that episode? I think it was pretty dang good. Well, what should someone do if they enjoyed these last 30 minutes? They should probably head over and leave us a review so we can reach more people. They definitely should. Guys, if you like the Fools in Love podcast, please go follow us over on Instagram at Fools in Love podcast. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about what you'd like to hear. 